Welcome to the School of Humanity podcast. You are made in the image and likeness of God. Not only does God long for you, but you are like Him. What does this mean for you? How does it affect your view of God? How does it affect your view of yourself? How does that affect everything? This, this is, is the School, School of Humanity. Humanity. Welcome back to the School of Humanity podcast. This is Jason and Rachel Bullman. And this is episode 33. 33, which is the year that Christ was crucified. True. Is this the end of our podcast? (laughs) Well, we are going to be talking about a subject that I think is very apropos. Um, This podcast is the fruit of a reading from Mass this past Sunday, the second reading, which I have now managed to lose on my phone, so I'm going to have you look it up, Rachel. Okay. Um, and I was in Mass. It was beautiful listening to the readings, um, and specifically the second reading from St. Paul where he writes to the Philippians. And in there he talks about regarding others as more important than you are. And this struck me um, because, I mean, at the same time, I'm understanding uh, what he's trying to say. I'm thinking, how many people really get what he's trying to convey here? How many people misinterpret this? How this doesn't really fit in with the typical mindset of modern-day society. Right. Um, And so... I'm going to go ahead and read that uh, the reading here real quick. Please okay? do so. Okay. It says, Brothers and sisters, if there's any encouragement in Christ, any solace in love, any participation in the Spirit, any compassion and mercy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, with the same love, united in heart, thinking one thing. Do nothing out of selfishness or out of vain glory. Rather... Humbly regard others as more important than yourselves, each looking out not for his own interests, but also for those of others. Interestingly enough, I'm also reading a book right now called um, The Rule of Benedict, a spirituality for the 21st century by a Benedictine nun. Say her last name. Joan Chittister. And she That's is, pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> she apparently is um, a pretty famous um, retreat and uh, sponsor. Yeah, whatever the word is. Guy. She gives retreats. Yeah, guy. <laughs> there we go. And has written a lot of books. Um, but this book is is a commentary um, on Saint Benedict's rule, and uh, and it's excellent. It's incredible. Basically, um, every rule that. Same minute it gives, she goes through and explains, you know, the application of that rule today. Um, and if you've looked at the rules, they they go from anything from don't be late to dinner to uh, this is how much food you're allowed to eat. Exactly. Right? <laughs> yep. Um, and what was interesting is um, in this book she makes a comment she actually quotes from she doesn't say who but she said like a sage i'm guessing that uh, like um a like a hebrew scholar or something 
And the quote goes, I never met anyone in whom I failed to recognize something superior to myself. If the person was older, I said, this one has done more good than I. If younger, I said, this person has sinned less. If richer, I said, this one has been more charitable. If poorer, I said, this one has suffered more. If wiser, I honored their wisdom. And if not wiser, I judged their faults more lightly. And so awesome. I mean, isn't that incredible? And you can see how, you know, having read that and then I went into Mass and, and hear St. Paul speak so beautifully about uh, humility, it kind of felt right that maybe we should try to flesh out this subject a little bit and talk about what true humility is and um, and hopefully dispel any notion of false humility. Um, right. So... You tell me what you think, Rachel. But and when I when I hear when I hear all this and putting it all together, um, what keeps coming to my mind is that humility is kind of like this. It naturally springs from a genuine love, um, first and foremost for God, but then also for other people. So, for example. Um, when you love someone else, uh, or when you genuinely love somebody, you are more concerned with them than you are for yourself, right? Right. Yeah. And so, thus, regarding others as more important than yourselves, you know? Um, so, it's kind of like this virtue that we, we designate it, we give it a name, and uh, we aspire to it, the, the saints talk about it. But it, it's very much intimately tied up with love, right? Uh, wouldn't you say? You know, it actually makes me think of Beauty and the Beast. Oh, a lot of things make me think of Beauty and the Beast, but um, pretty much every virtue is in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the most recent live action one. You know, remember we were watching that the other night. Um, we still have yet to really watch it. We're kind of yeah. failures, um, yeah. but we have watched brief snippets of it because our children have watched it. Um, but there's a really beautiful point. And what they've done great with the live action is they, they've kind of gone more into the the backstory of various things and more of the dialogue. Um, right. And that they weren't able to do with the cartoon or that really wasn't really the... They, they weren't so uh, literal in the cartoon with a lot of things. So um, you kind of had to gather it on your own. Right. But there's this beautiful point right after they did the tale as old as time dance. And she's in her beautiful yellow dress and the beast is there. And he asked her, do you think you could be happy here? Right. And she said, can one really be happy if they're not free? Right. And then he said, he asked her, what would you like to, like, if you could see anything, what would you want to see? I can show you like how you could see whatever you want. He doesn't say that, but he gives her his mirror. Mm -hmm. And she asked to see her father. Right. And... And this is that point when you realize that he loves her, you mm -hmm. know, that he no longer is, she's no longer a prisoner anymore or just an object for whatever pleasure for he might control. get out of companionship, you know, right. like to control. So he sees the pain that she is in from um, realizing that she can't be with her father and that he's in distress. And he, without missing a beat, 
he says you should go to him now yeah. like waste not a moment more or whatever he says and he just says you have to go right and i loved how they didn't i was waiting for him to say the line from the cartoon i don't know if you remember but in the cartoon he says i release you um which is beautiful in and of itself but in, there was just no need for him to say that in the live action one because of the way that he said you know you just need to go go to him now like um and you know in granting her that freedom i mean it showed that the beast not only loved her but that he had also humbled himself right you know in that moment and there was there was definite humility in there so it wasn't any more about you know what can i what can i control in the situation um if i release her i may never see her again it was literally putting her above himself right. not only um her but everyone else that she loved and that would include her father yeah it's really beautiful yeah a couple points i would point out there are when he was trying to control her he was more focused on himself right he was right. not humble he was um trying to feed this need to have companionship but he's doing it by right. stripping of someone else right of, of that yeah he's he's doing that by uh, grasping at right um wow that that's pretty good because it reminds you're me. welcome <laughs> you know anyway go ahead um which just like in that quote um that uh, christ did not e deem equality with god something to be grasped at rather right. he humbled himself mm -hmm. um, taking the form so of a good. slave emptying himself completely uh that kind of um a thing so that's the first thing is to point out that the beast was trying to control her and so actually he was focused on himself right you know, uh, he doesn't even realize he's so he has he, he's in such a state of poverty by being turned in on himself and selfish like that that he doesn't know how to love right only until right until that awakening moment where he starts to be concerned more for her right um than for himself and the second point I would want to make about that is this, that each one of us acts this way a lot right. of times. And in that moment, inevitably, it's because we have forgotten our own belovedness. Because we can't be free to love others until we know we're loved. Right. You know, by God, uh, you know, um, specifically. You know? Yeah, one of the things that we we try to practice with the boys is that anytime they get, at least I do, I know I know that when they get really upset um, or they get frustrated or whatever happens to lead them to tears and fits of frustration, I always end up calming them down and saying, you know, what, who loves you the most? And they say, God. Right. And then I always say, well, who loves you next? And they said, Mommy and Daddy. And then I, then they tell me nothing else matters because that's what I've trained them to tell me. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I want them to also get used to that, that truth. Um, was that a giant bullfrog? What was that? I don't know. Something just hit the window Sorry. and it scared <laughs> you. It didn't scare me. It scared me. It scared me. Um, <laughs> whatever. I can tell <laughs> listeners that you just pushed me towards the door. I'm uh. just kidding. <laughs> um, Okay, oh, so, man. but know that they, that I want that to become a reality for them. Like, I would love for it to become 
um, a truth that's so ingrained in them, you know, that when they're 25 years old and they're facing something, they can say, gosh, this isn't that difficult. What I need to remember is that God loves me and my mom and dad love me and right. nothing else is going to change right. that. Right. You know, and that's, that's what matters in the middle of all this. Right. And when you start to believe that you're beloved and you're worthy of love, um, your heart is fulfilled and then you can freely love others and, and recognize when love is authentic and when it is not. True. Very true. Your eyes have kind of been opened and and you know when when there's real communion and when there's like a barrier there, right? You can almost feel it. Right. Um, That's the, what I would imagine was the case with uh with Bill and Gaston, you know. Like she knew that there was just there was no real authenticity there. She knew that before. And that's it's something that I, I, I love about Bill. I mean, um we were just at Epcot this weekend and there was a little girl that was sitting next to us and she had on a Bell shirt and I was like, She is my favorite princess and she is because she just has this um just this self awareness. Yeah. This transparency, I think is a good right. word for it. And she definitely is aware of her worth. Right. And I loved how in the cartoon, you know, her husband, her dad kept trying to tell her, you know, you should, what about Gaston? He seems nice. Like there's this point in the movie where he tells her that and, and, um, and she's like, ugh, no. (laughs) (laughs) And so I love, I love that she has, um, kind of a self-awareness that doesn't come across. Like I love Jasmine. She had a self-awareness. Her self-awareness came across a little snooty to me. Right. So I wasn't, wasn't quite into that. Cinderella had a self-awareness. Um, but I don't, I don't know. It's, it, there was something about Belle's self-awareness. Yeah. Um, the little mermaid had a self-awareness, but she lost me at the part in the whole new world when she kept, not a whole new world, but in a part of your world when she said, <laughs> I want to be part of this world where, where they don't reprimand their daughters. <laughs> <laughs> She was a little rebellious. Yeah, she was you a little know. rebellious, a little bit naive. She's you know, giving there. your voice away for a man. What are you right. doing? Um, but <laughs> but Bell definitely had had kind of like this ability to see that, and I believe that it was because her father loved her so much. Right. Right. Oh, that's true. She had a great dad. She had a great dad, mm-hmm. and so she had she had some belovedness that had already existed in her life, so she could recognize that authenticity. In the world. Yeah, I, and that's that was the next point that um, we wanted to make sure to get across. You want to talk about um, Bill's dad as the next point? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, <laughs> just the with this sort of concern for others more than ourselves, we we see um, we see the goodness in others. Right? It's the first thing we start to see in other people, rather right. than all the things that are their faults or their down, uh, um, you know, um, whatever mistakes that they make or, or the traits that they have, which are, that you have better than them, you know? Right. You know, actually, uh, it's really funny. One of my right. friends, their daughter is quite the, quite the prodigy um, and a, a little bit like Gabriel, very similar hearts. And they say things, she always says things that are just insane. And she was starting at a new school and there was a little boy in the playground. I haven't told you about this, but there's a little girl on the playground, little boy on the playground that keeps spitting in her hair. Wow. Yep. Fighting, fighting little children. That's, that's all I think of when I think about that. If someone like spit on my child. <laughs> like he's repeatedly done this? Yes. Like repeatedly done it. Um, so finally she came home and told her mom and her mom went and had a conversation with the teachers and such. And so they're trying to keep them apart. Um, but 
today something different happened that she was on the playground and she was playing with another classmate and the same boy came over and asked if he could play with her and she let him. Yeah. And when she came home, she was telling her mother about this and she said, you know, I didn't see a little boy that I'd spit in my hair anymore. I saw a little boy that needed a friend. There you are. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Um, and then I think, you know, also laced within all of this talk about humility, um, and I'm going to cry again, you know, <laughs> but it makes me think of the shootings that just occurred in Las Vegas. Um, you know, you obviously it's horrific. I mean, I haven't even been able to really ponder on it that much today because I just yeah. lose it. Um, thinking about all the the heartache that's happening now, you know, not only with the people that lost their lives, but the people that knew the shooter, um, and, and the, the people that are left behind in all this, not just people that, that are related or happen to be friends with the people that lost their lives, but just the people that experienced that. I mean, there's people that were no. there that will never forget this for the rest of their lives. The entire um, world is impacted by something like right. this. And, um, but then you see these images of, of people laying on one another, you know, to try to protect one another. People that didn't even know each other, you know. Um, there were some accounts where people were running from the scene of the concert and just jumping into other people's cars, like people that they didn't even know. One woman said, you know, my car had like 10 people in it and I don't think I knew any of them, you know. We were just trying to get to safety. And obviously it's a super extreme example, but it's in those moments that all of those people, you realize who you are at the core of your being. Yeah. And at the core of your being, you're someone that is utterly concerned with the safety and the humanity of those around you. Right. Um, and it, and even amidst all of this tragedy and there's that beauty of it, you know, yeah. that when your life is on the line, would you jump in front of a bullet for a stranger? Right. Um, and then, of course, there's a story that made me, of course, think of you, but um, with the man that he saved his wife because he he laid across her mm -hmm. to make sure that she was not harmed, um, and he was shot. Right. And um, and it's just such a beautiful example of humility, you know, something that to constantly also piggyback on what we talked about last week. Mm-hmm. That um, in the middle of all of the the pain and the turmoil, we are invited into this suffering, and this suffering is the nth degree of humility. Yeah, yeah. I just you, you always come back to the image of that of of that suffering Christ, um, and I'm telling you, this word I think is just such a perfect word to describe the type of love that God has for man and the type of love that man is supposed to return to God and his brothers and sisters. Of course, we manifested more uh, outright with one another, which is beautiful too, and that's the word kenosis or kenotic love, that complete self-emptying love um, that Christ shows us to the point where, like, genuinely we are more concerned about other people than ourselves and, and it feels so right when we act that way you know right. we just want to live in that um, that mode because how 
how enslaving it is, you know, number one, to be always concerned about yourself. There's such heaviness with that. It's exhausting. It is exhausting. And we all do it, you know, um, some of us more than others, but we, and it's very obvious when someone else is a slave to it, you know, like in the workplace or whatever, they're just always so down about life and nothing is good and, um, you know, the grass is always greener and those kind of things. And it, we we should see ourselves in those moments where we... Right. <laughs> there's There's just no happiness in that. But the moment that you become concerned about others is the moment that you feel more like yourself, more lighthearted. And, um, and man, you just want to be like Christ, you know, who just, he never thought about himself. Right. And you know, a friend of mine once told me, you know, like humble people, they don't think that they're humble. Why? Because they don't think themselves themselves, they don't they don't have time for it right i mean it's like a waste of time to be thinking about yourself all the time right what a waste of life and what and how counter uh or anti-human it is to act that way right that's that's the devil's agenda that's why he's so heavy all the time is because he thought himself greater than god you know and that that and that image of him, you know, in Dante's Inferno, of him stuck in ice pondering, is it will ever be etched into my brain because it's just the perfect image of Satan who is forever just concerned about himself, you know? Right. Um, whereas the angels are light as a feather because they're never concerned of themselves, you know? They, they fly free. Um, and so, you know... This is the real image of humility is Christ poured out naked on a cross, totally given himself for us, you know, totally right. a free man. Um, and uh, I love it and I want it. I want to live that, you know. I want to yes. be that for you. I want to be that for the kids. I, I want to be that for the church. Um, yeah, I think it's a beautiful point to point out that... Um our bishop, uh, Bishop John Noonan. Hello, hello. Hopefully you'll be on our podcast one day. We could talk about Ireland if that's what your heart desires. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, and it, when anyone becomes a bishop, well, not anyone, but when, <laughs> I think you guys get where I'm going here, but uh, bishops get to pick a ring and they get, you know, whatever etching they would like on their ring. And Bishop Noonan's um, ring has... The pelican yeah, on the there. Yeah, the pelican. Um, and you actually could, you see that every now and then, um, especially in, in Catholic artwork. And, yeah. Um, and the reason being is that the pelican will literally um, take chunks from its own body to feed its young. Yeah. You know, giving completely of itself. Right. And and I believe that that's what our bishop does, you know, Absolutely. gives up himself um, in such a way where they, I mean, it's it's wounding to do that. Um, but that is who the Lord has called us to be. And it's something that we all get to do for one another, hopefully, is to put aside ourselves in such a way that we we completely give of ourselves, you know. 
someone, um, and, and the beauty, the beauty of it is, is that there will be, there will come these moments in ministry or just in life, you know, um, where you're trying to lead this altruistic life of constantly thinking of the other, where yes, your body will get tired. You know, you will be, have lack of sleep and you will, um, because you spend all day thinking of other people. A lot of times, I mean, just for your own sanity, you do have to think of yourself briefly. Gosh, I should probably take a shower, (laughs) you know, (laughs) man, I should eat, you know? Um, and you think about that. I mean, think about right now in, in Vegas, the, uh, first, second and third responders that are still working. Right. To identify the bodies of those who have been slain, consoling other people, um, cleaning up the streets. They're trying to bring some sort of normalcy. Not only those people, but the people that are also um, probably working to get all these frantic people back home. You know, uh, people that were just visiting Vegas just for this concert or for various other things that are now scared out of their minds trying to get back home. Yeah. the families that might not have heard from their loved ones yet that are visiting there. Um, a, a girl that I used to work with um, actually just got married and took her honeymoon to Vegas and was there. She the was night. there. She was there. So she, um, they were just, she was in her room, thank God. And then they sent out an all call and just said everything was on lockdown, the Vegas Strip and everything. So, um, but, you know, there's so many things like that that are going on. And all of those people that are in in the midst of that storm will work tirelessly. I mean, even going back to when we had Hurricane Irma, I remember the, um, the linemen that helped to restore our power here. I was speaking with one of them, and I asked him. I said, he was from South Carolina. And I said... Um, how long did it take you guys to get down here? And he says, well, it was supposed to be an 11-hour trip. And he's like, it took us 23 hours to drive down here. (laughs) And he said the traffic was just horrendous and everybody was trying to get out and people were trying to get back in and 23 hours. And, you know, those guys work 16-hour days until power was restored to our area. Um, And it's amazing, you know, because honest to God, as... as, uh, cheesy as it sounds and if if you ask those people what has gotten you through this like how how are you still going then the honest answer would be the grace of god right and that is what gives you the ability to do this to be altruistic Mm -hmm. to give completely of yourself to other people um and you know some people will consider that I mean, you ever have that thought, honey, like, gosh, if I go to this party or if I go to this place and I'm really tired, I'm going to have to turn it on. You know, I'm going to have to be on. Right. Right. And and the thought would be that maybe the on switch would become perpetuity, you know, for us, that the on switch would always be there and we would always be able to be able to be in this place where we get 130, 40 percent, pour ourselves out for other people. Yeah. Um, but that can't exist for us without the sacraments of the church. Right. There is no chance, very little chance, because <laughs> maybe you're, you're somehow achieving this, this grace, but there, there is a, an infusion of grace that happens with the sacraments of the Catholic Church that you cannot get anywhere else. So be there every Sunday. <laughs> 
go to reconciliation. Be confirmed. Become a catechist. Do all of these things and pray because it has to it has to exist um, in your core of your being that you are giving yourself out to Christ before you can ever begin to think about giving yourself out for another person. Right. So may we continue to do that. Any last thoughts, my love? I'm just going to reread that first paragraph from Philippians. If there's any encouragement in Christ, any solace in love, any participation in the Spirit, any compassion and mercy, complete my joy by being of the same mind with the same love, united in heart, thinking one thing. Do nothing out of selfishness or out of vainglory. Rather, humbly regard others as more important than yourself, each looking out not for his own interests, but for those of others. Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you.